here by your spirit. And God, it would be impossible to argue that you're not theologically because you live in the believer, but Holy Spirit, that you would be active and present in this room today. God, that, that our hearts and our minds, God, would never be the same when we walk out of here, that we would taste and see that the Lord is good. And that we would never be the same because we have encountered the King. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. We offer you this time, our lives. In Jesus' name, the matchless, mighty, risen, and coming King. Amen, somebody. Amen, amen. You may have a seat this morning. Well, it is uh, my pleasure to have this like opportunity. I'm completely humbled to be able to talk with you this morning. Pastor Ian is is uh, had the opportunity to to go out west to to hear about a new faith organization that is that is on the rise and on the move, and, and he was asked to come join some leaders from all over the country for that discussion, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that later. He and Elder Luke Ficken are out there uh, representing uh, OCH today, and I think that's a pretty, pretty good deal. So uh, we are excited for them. Yeah, I heard somebody just start to do the golf clap, but it's, 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 really, it's really pretty great. When, and you know God's doing something when, when, when you're in a school and you're in Fairview, Tennessee, and there, there's something going on down the road, little bricks being laid and all that kind of stuff. And, and people's heads are kind of, they get turned turn to go, what, what's going on over there? And then, and, and then they tap our pastor uh, to go have a discussion like that and something that could, could, could get the kingdom of God in the hearts of men all over this nation. I think that's a good deal. And we, and we ought to be humbled and grateful to the King of Kings for what he's doing at One Church Home. Amen, somebody? Yeah. yeah. So we've been in, in, this, in this study uh, of fasting for the past two weeks. I, I, know, it's, I know it's different. We, I think we've said it's just, it's kind of weird that uh, when, you know, December rolls around, it, it's like automatically the evangelical calendar kicks in and it's like, we got to talk about, we got to talk about Jesus coming. And we do, and we make much of that. We sing like that, we, we pray like that, and on, on Christmas Eve, we're going to go all in on that. But today, we're going to continue in this series on fasting because we're getting ready uh, to do a corporate fast. Our pastor has called us, this church, to a corporate fast beginning January 1. Some people are like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. You're, you're messing with New Year's Day. I know. I just think that's pretty cool. You know, I, I don't know if it's ever, I'm sure it's been done, but I'm not sure, like, you know, how long ago that happened. I just think that it's really great. It's a little bit sacrificial, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit more. So Pastor Ian has jumped into uh, the what is fasting. He's talked about how to fast, and today we're going to look at some of the fruits of fasting that we see in Scripture. Some of the things in, in, in the Bible that pop out of us, out to us, uh, when, we've, when we read the Bible and we see what takes place when people fast. And then we're going to dream big with hope and pray big with hope. 
that God will do something incredible in us, through us, in this city, in this region, in this state, and beyond. So just to kind of recap, uh, one of the, the pieces that Pastor Ian has put together that's been a mainstay in this series so far is, is seven reasons he, he accumulated why we fast. One was that we see Jesus do it. Jesus fasted to prepare for ministry. We, we see that the early church sought wisdom from God through fasting. Uh, we, we see in Scripture uh, that, that it's a response sometimes to, to grief, that, that we grieve sometimes with fasting. Uh, sometimes it's to seek direction from oppression like, like Ezra did. That it would be something of repentance in the days of Jonah. Now it doesn't forgive of sin. Jesus does that. But it's to say, I'm aware in God, I need help. Uh, number six, to gain victory, as we see in the book of Judges. And number seven, worship. Like Luke 2, when Anna was fasting, it said she was in the, in the temple fasting for the Messiah, and then the, the babe was brought in. And she got to see the Messiah, that we might see the king. Now, as we jump into the fruit of fasting today, uh, I was reminded this week of a quote, and this is going to be different than the one that Pastor Ian has been using when it, from John Piper, but John Piper says this about fasting. Fasting is a temporary renunciation of something that is good, like food, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater, namely God and his work in our lives. All right, let's jump in. I got a handful of things. If I was to say there's an anchor scripture, it would be this first one. And, and this first fruit that, that we see in scripture, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come across to you and say, this one's not good. This would be bad food, fruit. Don't, don't eat this fruit. This would be the applause of men. Jesus in Matthew 6, 16 through 18 uh, says this, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to be men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Some pretty intense promises from Jesus. I want to start by just saying Jesus acknowledges that fasting could be miserable. That could be hard because we know that in Scripture, fasting is about food. It is about food. It, it's, it's not about Facebook, as Pastor Ian said. It, it, it's not about not watching The Office. Uh-oh. I know. Uh, that's an email waiting to happen. It's about food. And, and Jesus recognizes that this could be miserable. That it's possible for it to be gloomy, uncomfortable, and hard. And our, our, and our condition in gloomy and hard, because we're attention-seeking human beings, is that we would draw people into that gloom. And Jesus says, don't, don't do that. Like, I actually would rather you 
not do that. I'd rather you kind of keep this secret. You say, well, why are we talking about fasting with all these people in the room if we're supposed to keep it secret? Because corporate fasting, where they announce it to everybody and everybody gets in, is also in Scripture. It's okay. What he's suggesting here is a heart condition that says, I'm going to go about my business. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to comb my hair. Well, I'm not, but y'all will. I just want to let you know that this isn't a fashion statement. And I'll be fasting for hair in 2023. It's always good when things happen like that that aren't in your notes. That we might, uh, you know, do business as usual when it comes to getting ready and stepping outside. That we might shower and put on some deodorant, slap on the perfume or the cologne, get yourself right, put a smile on your face, and then keep it in as we go to heaven with what it is we're fasting over or, 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 or trying to get after God with and, or what we're asking him for. In those seven things that we mentioned previously, it really comes down to two. There are two reasons that, that kind of umbrella those seven reasons why people fast in Scripture. One is direction. God, what is your direction in said situation in my life for this moment? God, what are you doing? I, I, I need direction. I, I need to know where to go. I need to know how to do it. The other one would be liberation. God, I need your deliverance from, from oppression or from bondage or freedom from a hassling sin or a problem. You see, Jesus wants his church to come to him with these things so that he can give good fruit back, things that, 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 that look like him, that are him in our lives and through our lives. And fasting is one of the ways that he, that he does that, one of the ways that he has opted to connect with us. He has given us the, this, this avenue to take. Now, number two in this, in this whole thing is God will reward you. One of the, one of the great pieces of, of that Matthew 6 scripture, right at the end, it says God will reward you openly. As if we need to expound on that. When Jesus makes a promise, you can count on it. It's a promise from him. And he expected in that statement that this would be part of our lives. It's in verse 18, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This isn't just about material things. Uh, yeah, come on, Richard, say it again. Amen. That's right. It's not just about material things. In fact, it goes deeper than that. Jesus would go on in verse 19 and 20, which is not on the screen, but he would say, he would instruct us not to lay up treasure right here. He would, he would say that, you know, this stuff might be good, but, it, but, it's, but it's not the treasure that you're going to take with you. Anybody ever have a car that rusted out or broke down? Don't lay your treasure up here, but lay it in heaven. He, he wants us focused. He wants us touching eternal things. That's why Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. Nothing of eternal value, nothing great, nothing God-like. Not saying we're God, but he can work in and through us when we, when we draw close to him, when we consecrate ourselves to him this way. Number three, victory over temptation. 
Matthew 4, 1 through 11 is where you would find this. And, and, and for time, we're not going to be able to read every single one of these, but Jesus three times is tempted by Satan when he, when he steps out into his ministry. One of the seven things that we talked about is we saw Jesus, before he went into his ministry, he fasted. And in that fast, he was tempted by Satan three times using twists of Scripture and false promises. And three times, Jesus stands up and rebukes him and untwists the Scripture with a clear mind, knowing who he was and what he was about and what he was here to do. Then in verse 11, he says, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him, which is actually prophetic from Psalm 91. We have to remember the promise in moments like this from James 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is a little sidebar, but it's really important because this is that bondage piece. I so much want to go out there, but it will feed back. This is the thing about Christian people. We sing songs about being free. We, we say, oh, he who the sun set free is free indeed. And then we walk around miserable and in bondage all the time because we don't believe the promise of James 4, 7. It says, obey God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Jesus showed us how to do this in his fast. He showed temptation. Temptation isn't sin. Somebody needs to hear that today. Just because you, you, you get tempted doesn't mean you, indulging that sin or that thing, that temptation is, is the sin. The promise is if you obey God. The, the promise is if you resist the devil, that he will flee. And Jesus showed us how to do that. That's a, that's a, that's a good God. Number four, power over the enemy. Matthew 17, 14 through 21. Jesus removes a demon that his disciples could not. It seemed to be a, a faith issue that they rested on their own strength and not God's strength to, to try to overthrow this demon, remove this demon from this person. I think this is a, this is a really important moment where Jesus says, However, this kind does not come out without prayer and fasting. If you just backed up in Matthew, you would see that Jesus was just on the mountain in the transfiguration moment. James, Peter, and John were with him. And Moses and Elijah show up. Then begin to talk to Jesus about what his future is going to look like. And Jesus comes down and he has some words after this for his disciples. How, how long do you think I'm actually going to be here? And he does what he has to do with the demon. But it's this moment saying, I'm not going to be here very long. I'm handing this to you. And there is a way for you to obtain this power. There is, there is a way that this will be the Holy Spirit in and through you, but your lives ought to be consecrated to me. And it, and it can't be lost on us. And Pastor Ian in second service last week nailed this because someone in this service came up to him and told him this. It, it, Moses and Elijah 
where, where, the, where the two in the Old Testament that we actually see in a fast, and then they're the ones at the transfiguration. It, it's, a, it's a powerful, powerful moment that takes place. All right, moving forward. You got to study your Bible. Number five, angelic visitation. Acts 10, 30 through 33, Cornelius was fasting and praying, and an angel appeared and gave him instruction. But at the same time, Peter is having a moment, a vision, a trance where, where he's being instructed what to do, and, and it involves Cornelius. In verse 31, it said, Cornelius, your prayers, this, this, this angelic visitation, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Let's not, let's not step away from what was said right there. He gets an angelic visitation during prayer and fasting. But what does this angel say? I mean, your prayer has been heard. Your alms, the, the deeds, your good things, your, your giving, it, it, they are remembered in the sight of God. God has a special place in his heart for generosity. And he doesn't, he doesn't forget it. He remembers it. These are all avenues to the faith that we ought to adopt again. Being people of generosity, being, being people of prayer, being people of fasting, doing the things that the book tells us that we ought to do to see a move of God in our lives and through our lives and to everybody we might encounter. I can't get too far down the road on that because that's in the notes later. That's me being honest and messy. No. Even more than that, in this angelic visitation and this Acts 10 moment, Peter then preached the gospel in Cornelius' home in Caesarea. And Cornelius had invited his family and his close friends. They heard the message. They believed. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were Gentiles. Number six, revelation of God's will and his call. Acts 13.2. It's one of my, my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. This is the, the moment where, where Saul and Barnabas are, are called to ministry. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. God moved in a corporate fast on that church because they were fasting and they were, they were praying. They were ministering to God. And he could not predict what would happen. They were just doing it because they were hungry for the things of God and for God to do something. And this is God fulfilling his call on Saul's life from Acts 9. Go back and read that and you'll see that, that God has a plan for Saul's life, but he had not yet sent him forward. And somebody needs to hear that right now. You know that God has done something in your life, has called you to a thing, but he hasn't sent you yet. Don't get impatient. Stop, pray, fast. Allow him to, to set you forward. Don't get impatient with God because he's doing a great work of character in you as he was doing in that church in Antioch. That church comes up later, just a few chapters away, where character is still being built. They laid hands on him after that again. They fasted, and now they really had something to fast into because Paul and Barnabas were going to go change the world. There is no way that church 
had any idea what God was going to do through those two people. Number seven, receiving guidance and protection. Ezra 8, 21 and through 23, Ezra focused in on the only one who could provide what they needed and he called a fast. In confidence, he boasted of God and his power and how he would run back to him. Verse 23, he answered, God answered our prayer. Number eight, receive knowledge and skill and wisdom, dreams and visions. Daniel 1, 12 through 17. In faith, Daniel instituted the Daniel fast. It's not called that in scripture. That's one of those things that we've kind of done, but it was a, a 10-day fast, mainly vegetables. And, and Daniel and three of his friends, Hanani, Michelle, and Azariah, they, they adopted this fast. And verse 17 says, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had an understanding in all visions and dreams. You know what's really incredible about these four guys? Daniel would go on to do what Daniel does. These, these three other Hebrew boys with him, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. They're more commonly known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And two chapters later from this one, they are called by Nebuchadnezzar to bow before an idol when they use, when they use music, God's, God's heavenly sound, uh, to call people to worship of an idol. And they said, we're not going to do that. And they get thrown in a fiery furnace. And in the fiery furnace... Four people are seen. And Nebuchadnezzar, the pagan leader, stands up and says, it's the, like the son of God. I, it, I, I can't miss this. We can't miss this. And I, I, I do not believe it would be a stretch to say this. That some of, the, some of the things in that fast, that they went on for 10 days and what happened to them and, and, and how they, they gained wisdom and some knowledge, that, that, that carried over as faith that God will and God can and he'll always show up. And so in, in, in chapter three, when they're confronted with this, when they're confronted with the moment where all dependency has to be on God, they had no problem saying, I've seen him do it before and I'll see it do it again. It's not a fast just for the moment. It's for later when you need to grab faith down low and, and, and you need to go, I've seen him do this before. I need him to do it again and I'm sure he will. That could be for you or for somebody else that you know. We can learn something from the Old Testament. This is why we study the word. Verse nine, vision and encouragement. Excuse me, number nine, vision and encouragement from Daniel 10. Daniel fasting from pleasant things for three weeks has a supernatural vision and an encounter with a glorious man that has been debated by historians and theologians. If you read the description, he looks pretty much like Jesus, which then brings encouragement in these words. Verse 12, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Listen, beloved. 
when we get hungry for the things of God and to see him move and to, to do things that are instructed and believed in scripture, we will never ever be able to pinpoint what exactly he might do. The, the fruit of our fast, we, we have no idea on the back end what he might do. It might be just the way you drew it up. It might be a little bit different, but way better for you because that's what God does. It, it, it could be something else completely different. It might not show its face for three years. But he shows up and he does something and we never know what it might be. I am without a doubt convinced that God still moves. I know that there's 20 people in this room that agree with that statement. We're going to shake the dust off of it right quick. I believe that God still moves, that he still works, that he still heals and he still saves, that he delivers, that he sets the captives free, that he does supernatural things that, that bring glory to his name. It, it is still his way to, to, to have his church consecrate themselves in prayer and in fasting that we might see big things, receive big things, and we will have much impact on, on, on our families, our homes, outside of our homes and the world we live in. And we would benefit greatly upon a move like that from God in our lives. I think it's really important to say this because as a pastor and a, a leader and I have a nonprofit paraministry on the side and I think it's fair that I throw myself into what I'm about to say but the reason this stuff sounds so crazy and fasting sounds so odd and it's like I know it's something that we should do and the scripture says it but we just can't wrap our heads around what supernaturally happens when we physically submit but I believe in today's church in America, we have become so good at our systems and our programs and making ourselves look good that we have lost the hunger and, quite honestly, the need for God to do what he said he would do. This it's not just sad, it's concerning. And I think it starts, and this is why I throw myself into this, I think it starts in the pulpits. I think it starts in the pulpits and it moves into the seats and it moves out the doors and it has become an epidemic of Christian people all over this country because we have so stinking much. What possibly could he give? It's an epidemic that has rendered the church powerless and we have done nothing more than become a glorified social club that does nice things in our communities. Sometimes. We ought to be people walking in hunger, 
and desperation. And then with that comes power and impact that has the gospel in hand to a dying and broken world. So while we sit back and we complain when we see Fox News and can you believe what they're doing and see our local news and the starving people, don't forget that the church was the first people called to handle that problem. And that's why our pastor says all the time, we are building a building down the road. And people say, well, couldn't we use that money to do everything you just said? It's going to be a conduit of power that goes out into this community first and abroad. We are going to be people on mission from that place. People will come to know Jesus there. People will be sent out of there just like Saul and Barnabas. And amazing things are going to happen in our community and and wherever the domino then falls after that. But we have to be missional people first. How dare he? It's not just what I say that will be held accountable for. It's what we don't say. I, I know that. I, it's, we have the tools so deeply based in Scripture that when we practice them and we follow them and we do them with a heart that is correct and right, not trying to manipulate God like, I need this, I want this, and I'm going to do see what I'm doing over here, God. When we do it with a heart that's right, we will see God do big things and mighty things for His glory and our good. If nothing else, beloved, there's a practical reward in this. There is a practical reward that will bump the spiritual so hard that the spiritual peace will fall over. And when I'm talking about the spiritual peace, I'm talking about the things we ought not to put our hands onto. And, and, and you might say, Shane, I hear you. This is really difficult. I get it. I'm telling you there's a fruit to fasting that we can't even possibly imagine. But the practical part, you will start to develop when you put these things into practice, a character to win battles, battles of the carnal and of the flesh when you practice fasting. If you can say no to, to a hunger pain and turn and pray, you will be able to do the same thing in areas of sin and oppression that have won over your life. This, there's a practical element of this. It, it might not be like, you know, God just does something like, and you know, all of a sudden you you see healing and all that stuff all over the place. No, you, you might have this reward where you, where you get freedom from the things that you have been desperate to get freedom from just practically because you know how to say no now for the things of God to be yes. And I think that's really good. It should be noted that in physiology, we're told that during fasting or when our stomach is empty, blood moves to the brain faster and in a greater way. This helps us focus on what is truly important. So beloved, we put what's important right out in front of us. We put Jesus in front of us and Jesus' mission in front of us. This is, uh, this is our pastor and I, have a, we have a problem. We, we go to lunch. And after lunch, we look at each other and we go, that was a, every time. It's, a, it's, the, it's, it's the definition of insanity because we, we know we're going to say, every, we, nothing ever changes. I'm ready for a nap. <laughs> but hunger shoots blood to the brain that helps you get focused on what's really important. 
And that's just the way God designed us. That, that's pretty cool. Part of the fruit of fasting is not what God will do or what he might happen to do or what you will see. It's that you will have begun to condition your life to heavenly principles and there is nothing that replaces a life sold out to heavenly principles. These then principles become the things that open the door to what Jesus might do or what he might want to do in and through us. So I'm going to recap really quick what Pastor Ian's direction is for our corporate fast because there, there continues to be um, some question around it. So he's calling us to a sunrise to sunset fast. So basically, that means when the sun comes up to when the sun goes down, we fast. You can have breakfast before sunlight. You can have dinner after sunset. But during the day, we're going to eliminate some of the other things. Now, it's okay to drink water. I have to say that. It's okay to drink water because people wondered about that. He's saying it's okay to drink water. And I'll say this. I'll go a step further. The, the first few days of a, of a fast like this, when your body's not used to it, you might have to dilute your water with like a little bit of juice to get some of that sugar in your body so you don't crash out and do those kind of things. And especially around four or five when you're on your way home from work. And you just, you got to be alert. Let's not be, let's not be just crazy about that. You got to do what you got to do. If you are a person who wants to intensify this fast, that is fine. The fast that I generally do at the beginning of the year, I do the Daniel fast and I do it for 21 days. And over the course of every three or four days, I drop something from the fast. I call it a progressive fast, where I get to the last three or four days, and, I, and I've tried to eliminate everything. So those last three or four days are more intense. So you can, you can do whatever you want to do in that category. Pastor Ian was like, you know, hey, this, you know, some of y'all don't even eat all day long anyway. You know, so it's like this, this, this isn't that sacrificial. If you have a specific need around food uh, that, that is a health boundary, you should probably talk to a doctor or a nutritionist or if you know what it looks like to participate in this kind of fast, you should Im implement that. There is freedom in this. This isn't law. This isn't bondage. There's freedom in this. And then finally, I, I think it would be good to say, don't be a hero. Just be sacrificial. If you need a snack again on your way home or something like that and that you haven't eaten for safety reasons, do that. Like, the Lord is about our heart first. And it's important to say that. And finally, we just should not forget to pray. Don't forget to pray as we fast. You know, it's, it's interesting because you can pray without fasting, but never do we see fasting in Scripture without prayer. We will communicate, our pastoral staff will communicate prayer directives uh, to you. Uh, if, if you need some things that you want to pray on, you're having struggle with ideas or, or what it is to pray for, and that will be kind of corporate stuff. And then I would encourage you to, to uh, dive into whatever your personal needs are in your life, what you need to see God do. And I think that's really important. Because when we pray, we are actually humbling ourselves and we're saying, you are God and I am not. 
You can and I can't. You are the only way and I have nothing. And God, we need you. Prayer is sacrificial. It sacrifices time. It says to God that we want to be there with him. And you can always see a difference in a person that prays. Now, as we, as we wrap here, I just want to remind us, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through 17, the disciples of John came to him, Jesus saying, what do we, and the Pharisees, uh, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? I love when Jesus gets a question from those guys. And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? You're like, listen, I'm here. Like, why would they fast? I'm like, right here. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and they will fast. So Jesus is saying, fast. When I'm gone, they'll fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into the new wineskins, and both are preserved. This is a stretching and breaking moment where God in his nature does new things and good things in the life of the believer. And we get before God and, and we get renewed and we consecrate ourselves to him. And there's no telling in that as we draw close to Jesus what he might do. Now, John Wimber said this. I saw this pop up. My friend Nate posted this the other day, and I just love John Wimber. John Wimber said, this is the only time, your life, this is the only time in all of eternity that you can believe Jesus for anything because when you're in his presence someday, it'll all be revealed. So while we're here, we press in to Jesus for anything. So in this fast, we are not going to go weak. And what I'm saying is I'm not saying, you know, like with what we're, we're actually doing in the fast, I'm saying pray for and ask for big things. For, for your lives, for this church, for our government. Let's believe that family members that need to know Jesus will come to Jesus. That the battle of disease, that healing would take place, that substance addictions and sexual addictions and pornography addictions and all the things that leave people bonded and hurt and grieving and not free would fall off them in the name of Jesus. Let, let's, let's, not, let's put it all aside so we can see the fruit of God in the way he wants the church to live. Let's win the war against fear in our lives because fear is not him. Let's stop playing from loss and play from victory. Do not be afraid to pray big things in this, beloved. God's big. He can do it, and won't he do it? Amen, somebody? Decides? Amen? Bag in the back? Come on, amen? Big things, 2023. Would you stand to your feet as we pray this morning and ask God, Right now to start, this is going to start on January 1st. It will go for 21 days. We will break it on a Sunday together. I'm just going to tell you, we haven't really discussed this, but I do believe that there will be donuts and coffee in the lobby the whole time. But you can't, you can't do that. You can't, well, you can't tell somebody else what they're doing. 
I know. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Yeah, we'll put carrots and celery out there. But still, Lord, we humble ourselves before your matchless name this morning. God, thanking you for all that you have done and God, what you're going to do. God, I know you have a plan for every person in this room. And God, for many of them, uh, they, will, they will come to a certain knowledge of that over the course of the next four to five weeks. And for some, some others, there'll be things that take place and things that happen that they never thought could. God, because you're faithful to meet us in this. Lord, I thank you that our pastor called us to this corporate fast, that, that one church home might see the goodness of God in a way that we have never experienced. Lord, there are needs spread out across this room. And even now, even in this moment, during this time of year, in all of the runaround, God, we ask you to meet those needs. God, would you change lives in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, be with them until we see them again. Keep us safe. Keep us healthy, almighty God. And glory be to the Son forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you all. We'll see you on Christmas Eve.